0: How much did sin affect creation? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hear of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Brian DeBozik, and with me as always is Aaron Armstrong. Aaron, today we're talking about sin and how it has affected creation, really, the world the cosmos—it's uh, probably something that a lot of uh, believers don't think much about, but we experience it every day. I mean, we experience it so many different ways.
1: I mean, we tend to to think about sin really in the context of our personal relationship with God, and we don't always view like we don't always consider how it has shaped um, our entire experience of. Existence, Not just spiritually, but in our day-to-day lives as well. And so I'm really excited for us to be able to talk about this,
0: this big, big truth. Yeah, it's it's an important uh, thing to understand. uh, As we're going to talk about in a minute, it really helps us to understand what we experience in everyday life. There will be some important cautions we'll bring to bear. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of debate right now uh, in our nation, especially our culture about how closely this connects to the gospel our salvation and so forth and so we'll have to kind of uh dab dabble into that a little bit a little bit but we know that this is a really important truth so let's dive in go ahead and and read the essential doctrine as always and, and we'll start breaking it down Sure,
1: sounds good. Sin does not only impact our relationship with God, it's also the root of our broken relationships with the people around us. Human sinfulness is the reason that creation groans in anticipation for redemption and deliverance from its bondage to evil powers. Sin has infected and redirected the social structures of society leading to injustice and oppression. The distorting effects of sin are visible all around us, but the good news of the gospel is that the battle against these powers will be won through the work of Christ.
0: All right. So if we could streamline that, I would, I would offer this in, in in its bare minimum essence, sin has affected and distorted all of creation. That's kind of a way to summarize. And again, is Aaron, I think you are correct. Um, I think a lot of people, especially newer believers, understandably, will take and think sin is just a personal thing. It's just them and a personal thing. It makes sense because a lot of times that's how the gospel is shared with somebody. Hey, you are a sinner. We need to deal with your sin and so forth. But Very much so, yeah. yeah but at, at some point, that newer believer has got to develop a, a deeper, more broad understanding that no sin uh, has impacted everything. Nothing is as it should be because of sin and when christ returns he'll make everything right again so it's a it's a really important idea concept uh doctrine that that we're interacting with so let's look at where we see this in scripture where is a place or two that you can think of that this stands out
1: sure well one of the one of the big places um there's an old testament and a new testament one so i'm going to read the old testament one first because it kind of lays the groundwork and that is and it came first me. And it came first. That's right. Yes. That's right. It's older. So, you know, we're reading it in order. It's that's fine. right. <laughs> so, Chronology matters. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. <laughs> based on what we do, <laughs> what we do. So, anyway, uh, Genesis 3, 17 and eighteen. Um, the context of this, of course, is is that this is immediately after the fall. This is when God is um, when God is pronouncing judgment on the man, woman, and the serpent. And, um, and the, the consequences of their decision and how their choices in, in disobeying God and how they're going to play out in the world around them. So uh, God said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the fields. It goes on to talk about how um, how the relationship with the man and the woman is distorted because of this as well. And so we see we see this multiple these multiple effects already actually in Genesis three that. Um, that our relationship with God is broken because of de- because of what the bible calls transgression um, so that's deliberate sin against God. It's violating his commands that's that's what that word means and we'll be doing an episode about that in the future um, in more detail but um, but so there's that relationship is is damaged. you have the relationship um, what we see in this passage about, Um, about, about the man and about humanity and creation being, being distorted. That work is hard because of sin, because of the consequences of our sin, not because work is sinful. Um, you have, um, you have the fact that crops don't grow easily. Because is a consequence of sin. You have all of these different things that happen and we have to remember it bears repeating. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this a little bit more too is work is a good thing. Yeah. But so it's a hard thing because of sin.
0: Yeah. Weeds, mosquitoes, okra are results of the fall. That's the way to. That's right. That's my and, interpretation of Genesis three.
1: You know, I think that's a valid interpretation, um, and of course, we see the relation, human interpersonal relationships, in a in a part of this that we're not going to reference or we're not going to read right now, but it's part of this curse as well. Um, those are affected too. Yeah. So where the where a husband and wife, where man and woman were supposed to be, uh, were intended to be equal partners in and co-laborers in the work of cultivating and stewarding creation as God's equal image bearers. What it devolved into instead is strife and fighting and one upping one another.
0: Yeah. And and you see that again, we won't dive too deeply into this in the marriage context, although it certainly applies, of course, Mm -hmm. but just in general, what you see here is, is God intended people to be in relationship as he is in relationship within himself with the the triune nature of god correct and one of the first results we see of the fall interestingly is their relationship between adam and eve is severed Um, their relationship with god is severed we see that as well but the first thing we see i'm not saying it's the most important result of it be careful Uh, but the first thing we see is that they hide from one another in shame because they realize Mm -hmm. they were naked and so their intimacy, their acceptance immediately in their relationship is severed. Um, and then we're going to see the introduction of, of pain. It's As you read through the book of Genesis, it's not surprising then. How often do we see family dynamics that are broken? We see family after family. It's a mess. Mm-hmm. It's traced back to sin. And then we expand that outside the family. This is why we see it in, in society. Yeah. This is why we see what we see, what we experience so often and its root is sin. It's not supposed to be this way. Injustices and so forth are not supposed to be this way.
1: Right. Right. And and a careful caveat there is that in, in a lot of these situations, they're not all necessarily the direct cause. Yes. Like they're not necessarily the direct cause of an individual's sin. sin.
0: Good good so, caveat. Important caveat. So
1: real real easy example is um, the issue of global poverty. For a family living in poverty in um, a country like Guatemala or Honduras, did they do anything to – are they culpable for that? Well, not necessarily. There's a systemic issue that ultimately has its roots in this curse where – because sin is the def- sin is the default position of the world. Futility is the default position is maybe a better way to say it. Um, because of sin, of course these things are going to exist. And so but as we're gonna see, w- we don't need to lose hope or be um, despairing because of that because yeah. this is what we see in Romans 8. 20 uh 20 and 20 through 22 says uh for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in the hope and by the way that him who subjected it is adam not god um just for clarity yeah because if there's not a him when we're taking if we're not clear when we don't have context we get confused yeah anyway For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay in the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. So, this is this is kind of that cosmic scope of the gospel that that paul is is on starting to unpack here in the whole context of romans so he he starts with global problem of sin and how basically everyone is evil in that perspective um that grand perspective again all my caveats in place, um, <laughs> but um, but saying that 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 the gospel exists to rede- not just to redeem individuals,
0: but to redeem and restore all of creation. Yes, that it, was
1: God's intent from yeah. the beginning.
0: So, and, and we see this. I mean, these are the two, for lack of a better word, classical passages on this for this doctrine. Um, but we also trace it more generally throughout scripture we, when we encounter the, the word world. So when we come across the word world, uh, really it's used in one of three ways in scripture. We have to be careful to understand it properly. Of course, sometimes it, the Bible speaks of the world as the physical planet that we are on. Um, it is just what it is. Hey, we live on the world. Uh, God created the world, um, another sense it's used though is the people of the world and so this is where we see that you know for god so loved the world that's not meaning the physical planet although as part of creation you know god created it it was good but that's meaning the people of the world that he loves but there's another sense of world that's used uh john uses this quite a bit in his epistles the fallen systems of the world so when we are said we should have nothing to do with the world Um, That's not the physical planet, of course. We can't leave it, unless you're an astronaut. That's not the people of the world. kind of envious of those astronauts, by the way. I really am. So maybe Mm. one day.
1: um, You know what I'm really, really disappointed with in myself? What's that? I'm disappointed that I missed out on all of the Bob and Doug McKenzie jokes.
0: Yes. And I can't believe they did not say take off your hosers when that was about to go on that take anyway. off a would have been just perfect it would have been perfect Gold. anyway back anyway. to back to what we're talking about so, we're
1: just demonstrating the fallen nature of futility. the world yes.
0: <laughs> futility for sure but this, <laughs> this third use of world is important and again it's that the fallen systems it's the broken systems it's the evilness it's it's the oppression it's it's all of those things that's another sense of world so we have to be careful world does not always mean the same thing. Be careful about the context of the passage that you're studying to make sure you understand it correctly. It's that last one that is used quite a bit, especially in by John, as I was sharing. That's the one that reminds us of this doctrine uh, that sin has affected all the world. All right, so let's transition. I mentioned that there will be some cautions as we come to this. So um, Aaron, why don't you get us started? What is an area of caution uh, that we need to employ when it comes to understanding this doctrine?
1: Well, one of the things that we do need to that we do need to address is just something that we that we kicked off this this episode with. Really, is that um, the primary focus of sin's effect is our relationship with God, and so we can't lose sight of that. Whenever we are exploring this doctrine and when we're trying to understand it, um, that is that there's more to it than than just the effect of sin on our relationship with God, but it's not less than that. Yeah. And so, if we lose sight of that, we lose we actually fundamentally lose sight of the key problem.
0: Yeah. So to 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 make a, um, a rather silly perhaps analogy or example of that we you could, know how i feel about analogies. yeah i right? know Well it's not an analogy it's an example so we would write to say that littering is sin it's it's not caring for creation it's not stewarding well but the the sin of littering is not paramount it does not it's not primary over our need to repent and come to saving faith in Christ as as people, so God is not more concerned about littering as He is the eternal state of people. Would that be kind of a fair way to kind of flesh this out?
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair way to fair way to put it. I mean, another way to explore it is is to say, hey, you know, the problem in the world. Another way to say it, it really is to, is to think about, again, if we go back to, if we go back to questions about, um, you know, global poverty, Mm -hmm. and I mean, this is one of those things that, that I can talk about a fair bit because I used to work for an organization that, that, that worked in that area. I also wrote a book on it. So, um, (laughs) so I'm not just talking, you know, talking silliness here, but one of the key things is that we look at, we look at you know a lot of the solutions that are that are offered and it's like okay well education and you know you know so on more extreme sides you know there are people who suggest well redistribution of wealth and you know yeah. all of these all of these kinds of things and it's like well education one of those things that I think we can all agree is a really good thing and is an important thing an essential thing that matters but is that going to be the thing that actually eliminates something like yeah. poverty well no of course not because it can't deal with the the it, education doesn't deal with sin. interpersonal conflict yeah. it doesn't deal with sin it deals with it deals with knowledge
0: yeah and that kind of takes me to the second area of, of caution that i've Kind of hinted at earlier uh that you are are getting us closer to so i'll just put it on the table and it's this that we have got to give room and grace for some slightly different perspectives on how closely this doctrine is to the core of the gospel and what i mean by that is that you know think about injustice for example think about poverty some would see that as part of the gospel that we have to act on this it is essential to the gospel um that the gospel what one must understand and do to be saved, Uh, not dealing with poverty to be saved, but they would say, no, if you truly are saved, you cannot not act on that. You have got to deal with injustices because it's at the core of the gospel. Others would say, no, 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 it's not that closely related to the gospel. The gospel is about a person's relationship with God. It is about that redemption of the individual. Um, So, but these issues of injustice are closely related to the gospel. They are a, a a required byproduct of the gospel. If a person has experienced the gospel, then they cannot choose, and they should not choose, not to act for justice and so forth. So this group would say, no, it's really closely related, but it's not at the gospel. Mm-hmm. A third group might say, well, no, I see this as really loosely related. Um, it, is, it is not part of the gospel. It's not even closely attached. It is a good thing we should be pursuing, um, but it's not its not a gospel issue, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are different ways to look at this, and that's a, a crude triad of them. I'm sure there are variances of that even, and yes. people could explain it in different ways and have slightly different perspectives. But the core thing here is this, that how we view this affects how we live, but it is a point of contention for many. It shouldn't be. I would contend this is dividing the church today, at least here in America, to a large degree, Uh, and it should not. Uh, We should have ample room to disagree with one another in love, with grace, and charity, but at the same time, we should be standing together against what sin has brought to be, the brokenness of the world. We should be seeking to end oppression and injustices. We should be seeking to end racism, sexism, and all the other isms, primarily through the gospel, of course. That's how we differ from the world. The world would pursue other programs, plans, whatever. We lift up the gospel. We proclaim Jesus Christ. We proclaim what it should be, and we live out how it should be, which we would say would be a part of helping to address these issues.
1: Right, absolutely, absolutely. So, reconciled people, like basically, if as we are reconciled to God, we are seeking out the good of the good of the world. I mean, yeah. this is uh, something that we'll we'll talk about probably a long way from now. Is um, is a, a doctrine related around social concern, and yeah. you can see that this and like this doctrine and that one are very closely related. Because one is the response to the other. Yes. And so, one of the you mentioned division within you know within Christians um, today, particularly in North America, about about this issue. You're absolutely right about that. What I think is what, and it it, it shouldn't be. It it really shouldn't be a dividing issue because fundamentally, if we all agree that the primacy of the, in the primacy of the gospel that Jesus came into the world to rescue people from sin and to, and, and that the, the ultimate fulfillment of that work is going to be in his ushering in this new heaven and new earth, this new creation, then we can then, if, as long as we agree on those things fundamentally, we can we can lock arms and we can agree. And even if we even if we disagree on some of the hows, let's not let's not lose sight of
0: that. Yeah, and, and you know the thing that that kind of um, troubles me personally in this, as I see it being debated, is man, when you've got a couple of different camps, especially so again, to paint with a really broad brush, one camp might go too far in one direction and could be teetering away from the gospel at times. If you go too far, that if you start saying, Hey, the most important thing we can do is, is feed the hungry. Mm-hmm. And that becomes primary over the gospel and sharing Jesus Christ with somebody. Of course that's, that's an error. And that's a yeah. danger with, with being too concerned about sense effect in the world. But the, another camp could go too far the other way and say, no, just preach the gospel. Um, the thing about it is, instead of arguing and fussing with one another, if if we could learn from one another, because both have great concerns to be careful of going too far one way or another. So in my estimation, we if we came at this with more of a humble posture of recognizing, hey, let's use one another to safeguard, to keep rails up, uh, to keep us focused on the gospel, to keep the gospel primary... As we seek to live out what the Bible tells us to do over and over again, what Jesus modeled before us, that we, the greatest commandment to love God, the second greatest commandment to love people, how do we do that with keeping the gospel primary? If we as as a church, with a capital C, could be advocates for one another, to be brothers and sisters in Christ, to have love and care for one another more than we want to disprove one another or prove our own rightfulness, If we had that right, we would be stronger as a church as we navigate these things and could probably do a lot better at lifting up the gospel in our culture.
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, as long as we are divided as believers, and I mean, there are certain things that are worth dividing over. Yes. Okay. There are 100%. There are things that are worth breaking fellowship over. The but the more that we can work together, that we can know which things we do, what we have to divide over and which things we don't, yeah. the more that we can seek to to keep the gospel at the center, the the greater opportunity we have to actually be as as Christ said that we are, be a light light in the world and a city on a hill. Um, something that that shines light into all of the yeah. darkness that exists, all right. and that light being
0: Him. Yeah. So let's get off our soapboxes before we get a nosebleed. Um, okay. <laughs> let's move on. What what difference should this doctrine make? Um, you know, I, I think we've already hinted at some, but let's just to to be clear, what what's the difference that you can think of that this doctrine
1: should? Yeah. Make? Well, well, some of them uh really come down to things like you know this doctrine should make us consider, uh, what we see in the world around us. And so what, what of the, the structures and relationships and, and everything else, what follows God's design? What doesn't, how should we respond to those things? Um, how do we, how do we work toward changing, changing what we, what we have the ability to affect change on what do we accept as just simply a reality of a fallen world? Um, you know, you know, do we, do we do a writing campaign to get rid of the bachelor or do we just accept <laughs> that it's going to exist? I mean, you know, I don't know. I yes. don't know, man.
0: That is sin's effect on the world right there.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. But well, what about you? What's something else?
0: Well, I think, you know, tangent to that it, it, it gives us the opportunity and forces us, to fix our hope on Christ's return. That as we think through the brokenness of the world, as we think about how sin has jacked everything up, and even as we consider our role in, in our culture today, what why are we here? As, what's the role of the church? Um, how much should we be advocating for fixing what is broken versus how much should we be recognizing, no, many of these things will not be fixed because they cannot be fixed apart from Christ's return. Regardless of how you end up on that spectrum, we all agree to this, that when Jesus returns, he will fix everything that is broken. Everything that's wrong will be made right again. That is our hope. And so no matter how you're you're perceiving what our role is today, we all lock our hope on that